quite an honor and a privilege to be asked to introduce this couple. This couple has played a very vital and instrumental role in Bernie and my lives and our family's life. And um, I have that privilege this morning. Pastor and Pam, and Pastor Pam, were at Mount Hope for 14 years, pastoring as a team. Pastor was also called out of here to Southeastern University as a vice president. So as the calling went, Pastor went. He was a professor of practical theology at Southeastern University as well. And then very recently, in the last couple of years, he was called to Emerge Ministries in Akron, Ohio, and he will talk to you more about that when they come up. They are renowned authors. They are renowned speakers. They are renowned couple advocates and teachers of couples. And I bring that point along because when Bernie and I struggled many years ago, it was Pastor and Pam and that ministry that God used them mightily and instrumentally to help us and to build our families. And this morning, um, I just want to say thank you for the legacy. There's a legacy that you have brought to Mount Hope. There's a legacy that you have brought individually to each family with our children and our grandchildren. And who knows for how many generations with God. There are thumbprints sitting in this room that you have left all over this building. Everybody's home that has come around you today, you have left the image of God. And we're all blessed by it. Uh, we had one of our elders come up and tell a story a couple of weeks ago about a gentleman named Phil that he was ministering to, and you were all here, so you probably heard that story. And Phil came to know the Lord through a book that Pastor Crosby wrote called Relationship Versus Religion. And so even people that you don't know and things that are going on behind the scenes with the Lord are happening because of this couple here. You are very special to this church. You are very special in the hope that you brought into our lives. And I remember you asking me a question. I forgot to say this during first service one time. You asked Bernie and I what you guys gave us that we couldn't seem to find anywhere else. And I remember saying to you, when we left your office, we had hope. And that is the hope here of Christ and his healing power and his resurrection power. And one last thing that I um, didn't say in the first service that I want to quickly mention now is Pastor Crosby hired me <laughs> 26 years ago. I've been here 26 years. I'm going to start on my 27th year. So this couple... Pastor and Pam, they hold a very, very tender place in my husband's and my heart and in our family's heart. So all of that to say thank you to them and welcome this morning. It is a treat to have this ministry go forward here today.
All right, well, it's wonderful to be here with Elaine and Bernie. So appreciated. And, uh, you know, I still remember when Pamela and I were on vacation. It was August, maybe our second year here. And, uh, you know, you go on vacation. And good morning to Pastor Rick and Wendy, uh, who are on sabbatical. I am so glad that this church supports their pastors in the sabbatical that they need to renew. Well, Pamela and I had gone away for a couple of weeks, and uh, I got a call from the then principal of the school, and he said, hey, I'm on vacation. And I said, well, great, are you having a good time? He said, actually, I just interviewed at another school, and so I'm going to be leaving this school. Now, if you know anything about school calendars, this was in August, <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that point... Uh, Bernie will remember I was chairman of the school board, the deacon board, the elder board. And so my vacation was mentally over, <laughs> you know, and uh, I still remember we had a meeting with Elaine and Bernie when we got back in town. And uh, I think Elaine said, hey, pastor, we're praying for you. I know you've got a lot of decisions to make. And Elaine then was a public school teacher. And I said, yeah, Elaine, I thought maybe I'd ask you if you'd fill in temporarily. And she said, well, you know, I've been praying about that. And I thought, really? And then she got permission from the school district to take a year and to come. And I said, if you can just help us get through the year. But she brought vision to the role. And uh, the rest is history. So Pastor Marvin just leaned over and said, that was a good hire. <laughs> uh, it's so good to be here today. So many memories in our minds when Pamela and I pulled into town a couple of nights ago. And um, so, so many, you know, 14 plus years here, our kids are at such formative stages. And uh, Pamela, I'm sure your heart is mine. Do you have a microphone? Oh, right here. Uh, is full as we're here today. Yeah, you walk through the building and uh, beautiful updates and renovations, but in the heart you still see and you feel Mount Hope and the love that's here. And um, it is a, just a beautiful... Um, moment to be able to walk back in and see so many faces. And as I said in the first service, I was sitting just overwhelmed, thinking about my own kids. Talk about thumbprints and fingerprints. Yours are on my kids. So many of you, your impact are, are on the, the lives of our family. And um, knowing that their foundational years, we were saying that uh, Kristen and Kara were about five-ish and seven when we came. Rob was six months old. And then Candace was our big miracle surprise baby once we got here. She, she definitely claims Boston. Um, but it was, it's just been um, amazing to watch them grow up and all the things that they refer to in you know, their time, Sunday school, mission ads, uh, school, all the moments that they shared. Um, let me take you real quick for those of you that aren't on Facebook that haven't seen this picture. Uh, Rob is all the way at the end, and he is going to turn 30 this year. It makes a mom feel old when their kid's going to turn 30. Um, I remember when he walked on his first birthday cake on Carol Mills' table. Uh, so time goes by so fast. Um, Kara and Rick, uh, they pastor on, in a, um, at a church on staff in, right outside of Atlanta and love their, their life there. God's been so good to them. Their firstborn is Ricky, 
And then Nora, who Kara is holding, we call her our miracle baby. She truly, truly was a miracle. They did not expect her even to be born, let alone be born whole. So she's a miracle. So on all the bad days, I tell Kara, she's, remember, she's the miracle. And she is a hurricane. She is totally fierce and feisty. And so I tell Kara, <laughs> your turn now, girl. Like, back at ya. So um, they, they have number three, Crosby, which you can imagine is very dear to our hearts. His name is David Crosby. He, uh, my father's name is David. So my dad and Robert still argue on the name of the child because he's David Crosby, but he goes by Crosby, and he is a little chub of love. Um, Candace, our, our baby, she's next, and Candace has grown to be such a wonderful young woman of God, um, very steady in her faith, and it's just exciting to watch. All the kids call her the perfect Crosby child, she says, because I watched all you and your mistakes. So she, she is uh, on her way. She lives um, with Rick and Kara, and uh, is there at the ministry in, uh, outside of Atlanta. And then we have Kristen, um, who grew up here, uh, was a part of so many things uh, during our years here at Mount Hope. And, you know, we thought for sure she'd graduate from college and take off and get married. And it was a little bit of a journey for Kristen. God was so faithful to her in so many ways. She met the man of her dreams, got married about a year and a half ago, Four months, he was a professor at Southeastern, and four months after, gradu after their wedding, bought a new house, the whole bit. Uh, like many schools during COVID, they cut back, and Aaron's role was one of the roles that they cut back. We were devastated for them. We cried with them on the phone. We prayed with them. There were so many moments of, hang on, God's going to be there. Hang on, God's going to be faithful. And it was right before Christmas, he received a phone call from a school asking him to be the director of the office of the president and it was for Ashland University and never would we have believed it's one hour away from where we live so they also moved from Florida up to Ohio and that's been a real joy for us we just helped them get settled into their new home that they bought and that has been such an amazing joy but we're so grateful for all of you your love you know I can't help but think about uh, the night that we came for our interview and we met Pastor Mepelink out in the parking lot and he took a moment to tell us, you know, I've, I've talked to the board about you. We had never met him before um, and yet he had this sense that, that the next assignment for this church was going to be um, Robert and I in leadership here in pastoring and yet I see families here like Elaine, your family was so impacted by Pastor Mepelink. And uh, Picarello family was so impacted by Pastor Mepelink. And so it's just a great reminder, you know, some throw out the seed, some water, some keep working the soil. And to see Pastor Rick now leading Mount Hope for, we've determined what, about 15 years, it goes so fast. But to see how God just continues to keep his people in place, and he remains faithful. So we thank you for your prayers. I do want to ask you this morning, my heart, half my heart's here and half is in Michigan, where my family is. My father and my mom, uh, many have asked, they're still alive. My dad's 91, 
and my mom is in her late 80s. Um, but my youngest brother uh, pastors a church in Michigan. His three sons are on staff. And this morning they're announcing that their oldest son has been diagnosed with cancer. So I ask that you would pray with us and with them. His name is David, and um, David Christ, and uh, it's going to be a difficult morning. So I ask that you keep them in prayer. I told them we were going to get you guys to pray because they need all the prayer support they can get. But bless you. We're so thankful for our time with you and hope to hug a lot of necks before the end of the morning. Yes. You know, before you go back, Pamela, let's take a moment to pray. We would appreciate those prayers, and they are in... Um, they're in a community called Emley City, Michigan. And they're having a service now and sharing that news with the church. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up David Christ to you, uh, Pamela's nephew. And we pray for he and his young wife and their two children. We pray that you would bring healing to David, that you would remove this growth, this cancer. And God, that your power would raise him up, heal him, minister to him even now. Uh, we partner with Mount Hope Church this morning in prayer for David, and we pray that a miracle would occur, and we believe you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Well, uh, that gets you caught up a little bit on, on our tribe, our growing tribe, and uh, there's a, a part of one of these stories that Pamela mentioned that I hope to share with you in a little while. Well, about two years ago, Pamela and I, the beginning of the year, 2019, we had taken a few days to get away to pray about the new year. It was the holidays, right in between Christmas and New Year's, we went up to North Carolina and uh, took some time to just relax and also to pray and think about the new year. And I still remember we were working on kind of values and what does the Lord have for us? Is it staying where we are? Is there something new? So we wrapped up the week, and on Friday, got ready to leave the hotel, got our stuff loaded, got a telephone call, picked it up, and it was the, one of the board members of a ministry called Emerge Counseling Ministries. I knew about Emerge. It had been around about 40 years or so. Uh, Emerge is the primary mental health partner of the Assemblies of God. So uh, I said hello, and this gentleman said, well, um, I wanted to talk with you and get you to pray about something. And I said, well, what is that? He said, I need you and your wife to move to Akron, Ohio. And I said, Akron, Ohio? And Pamela's in the room and she heard me. She's like going, no, no, no. <laughs> that, that can't be right. That can't be right. So um, we talked a little bit. I said, well, we'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And so he said, well, I guess I gave you and your wife something to talk about on the way back to Florida. <laughs> and we did. We talked. We prayed. And initially we thought, no. But little by little, the Lord began to bring words to us through other people that let us know this was the next step that, that he had for us. Well, now we tell people after having moved in the summer of 2019, we never imagined leading a national counseling ministry. But now we tell them we never, really never imagined doing it during a pandemic. Um, because doesn't it feel like the whole world could use some counseling these days? Uh, doesn't it feel like there's a bit of hopelessness and a lot of hearts, confusion? So, so we've been very busy, and at Emerge, as you look at some of the things that we're doing, we'll show you some of the slides, Emerge has done about 250,000 hours of counseling. Third, 48 years ago, a pastor in Akron, Ohio, Richard Dobbins, his wife, Dolores, became clinically depressed. He sent her to multiple Christian counselors, 
they all told her the same thing. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. He said, you don't understand. My wife does that more than anybody I know. There's something more going on. And he became bewildered that there were not more Christian counselors who understood psychology, who understood neuroscience, who understood appropriate therapeutic help for healing. So you know what he did? He enrolled in a psychology program at the University of Akron, and he became the first PhD of psychology from the University of Akron. And then the Lord gave him this anointing in his ministry where he, in the Pentecostal and charismatic world, became like the James Dobson. Uh, he gave Christians permission to say they were not okay and that they needed some help and support and counsel. So this ministry began to grow, and now it has uh, flourished. Uh, the region that we're in, so many people know of Emerge. And, uh, and now we work with a lot of different pastors, thousands of them all over the country, really all over the world. Uh, and in addition to that, we serve hundreds of children every year. Uh, we also, you can move ahead, partner with churches and district leaders from all 50 states. And uh, since 1996, we've had one of our ministries, there are 38,000 Assemblies of God ordained ministers. All of them on their ordination card, on the back, there's a 1-800 helpline. Well, that call doesn't go to Springfield, Missouri. It goes to Akron, Ohio, to our counselors. So that's gone on. This year, we celebrate 25 years of pastors. You don't know this, but when I pastored here, I was dealing with a counseling situation, and I wasn't completely sure what to do next. And I called that number out of the office right over there, never knowing that I would one day work with this ministry. So Emerge has working with individual counseling, marriage, family, crisis counseling, several different kinds of counseling that, that are done there. And our theme is find rest and live free. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. People need that. So this is the world that Pamela and I are involved in now, but you have an investment in us uh, because of all of our years together. You can't serve somewhere for 14 years and the people of that place and the ministry not have an impact uh, on you. But today, we're, and I'll show you just a couple of the slides of our website. I would encourage you, you can flip through these. Uh, just to go on it, it's emerge.org. There are tools, resources there that might be an encouragement to you. So that tells you a little bit about what we've been doing the last couple of years. Please pray for us. Uh, our counseling is growing rapidly, something like 20 to 30% in the last year. We're hiring clinicians right and left. There are other states that are calling us and saying, would you open and emerge in our state? So we need wisdom, we need help, we need God's direction uh, because we believe the Lord has been working for 48 years to get this ministry ready for this season. So we covet your prayers. Well, I'm here today to share the word. And uh, that was a privilege to do that every time I did that here at Mount Hope. And I want to thank Pastor Rick for the opportunity and Wendy uh, to be able to be here. So grateful to God for them. Uh, Pastor Rick was a teenager when I came here and met him. And one of my first encounters, I walked in the building. I was new. And I came over on a Saturday, the day before Sunday, to get ready. And, and I'm still kind of, okay, here's my key to get in the building. And I come in, and I heard this Christian rock music playing all through the building. And I'm like, somebody's got music. Nobody's here, but there's music. It's good music, but it's like 
all through the building. And I walk down the hall, and here's this, like, 14-year-old just vacuuming, you know. And that was Pastor Rick. You know, he was 14 years old, and that began uh, a relationship of watching God work in him and seeing his passion for the Word of God, seeing him grow, seeing him move from one position to another to another, until one day he stepped into the role that I was in when, when we left. Pastor Mepelink was here 13 years. Pamela and I were here about 14 and a half. Pastor Rick's already been in this role 15 years. So God has given Mount Hope leaders who have stayed. They haven't been here a couple of years and, and left. They've been here. And, and I was so proud and grateful for Pastor Rick and Wendy and the gift that they are to you. First time I heard him preach, I thought, okay, this guy's a preacher. Uh, God's going to use him and always have enjoyed hearing him. So the text we're looking at today is Romans 4, 18. One of my favorites, one that has meant a lot to Pamela and me over the years. Uh, against all hope, we'll pull that slide, but against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So the story about Abraham. The more I've read the Bible over the years, the more impressed I've become with Abraham and how his story goes all the way through the Bible. And how the blessing God promised to Abraham, he was determined to complete it. And when the nation of Israel missed the mark, he sent a Savior, Jesus, to restore this blessing. And to even broaden it so that it would reach all the nations of the world. So the, the, the legacy of Abraham is your legacy and mine. Uh, the blessing of Abraham. Um, some of you, if you haven't heard me before, you notice my voice is a little, maybe a little hoarse today. Um, when I was serving here years ago, I lost my voice. In the middle of a sermon on Christmas Eve, I was preaching. I was preaching about angels. And in the middle of it, my voice went like this, and I couldn't get any power to come out of my voice. I'm like, what's going on? Well, what do you do on Christmas Eve? You shorten your sermon, right? So I shortened, shortened my sermon, went outside, and everybody's like, Hey, pastor, take care of that cold, rest up over the holidays. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll try. And the next day, I took Pamela aside when the kids were opening gifts. I said, you got to pray for me. Something's different. I, I've never felt like this. It isn't just normal laryngitis. So I went to several doctors, and eventually they diagnosed it as a rare condition of the vocal cords. So here I was. I'd been here about three years. Pentecostal pastor, preacher, God had called me to come to New England and to preach. And now my voice wouldn't work. We had an evangelist that came through one time, and he was in my office, and he's like, man, your voice sounds terrible. I'm thinking, appreciate the encouragement, you know? <laughs> and he said, let me get this right. He said, you're a preacher, and you can't talk. What you going to do, right? And what he didn't know is that there's something I was praying about. 
and I began to write in addition to preaching. God began to open up doors for me to publish articles and books that have gone all over the world. The first book I ever published was called Now We're Talking. How ironic is that? <laughs> Questions to ask your spouse and your kids. Now we're to only God, right? Weakness turned into strength. Sometimes God will close a door in our lives because he wants to open another one. One that we might never have noticed unless this one closed or closed for a while. So God has helped me in, in the last several years. I've been able to find some new doctors and some treatments that have really helped me. So I've helped my voice to be more consistent. So you got to pray for Pam because I'm like a bird out of the cage now. <laughs> I'm going to talk her ear off, you know. And, and, uh, but I still remember when I was struggling just talking to the person next to me. And people prayed for me. Trust me, the elders, everybody at Mount Hope, Ellen and Brian, people, I mean, every, Elaine and Bernie, everybody's praying for me and anointing me with oil. I was probably the oiliest pastor in New England because <laughs> everybody prayed for me. Pentecostal, you know, I mean, come on. So do I, did I believe that God could heal? Yes. Do I still believe? Yes, absolutely. But there are things that God will allow us to walk through so that he can establish other things in our lives. And uh, so, so with that, this blessing of Abraham, I still remember. I was sitting over here. I think we had a guest speaker. My voice was like this. I could hardly get any volume out. And while I'm sitting over there, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to pray a prayer. And I still remember, I, I leaned over and said, and I think it was like during the prayer time at the end of the service. I said, I feel like God wants me to pray a prayer. And she said, what is it? I said that God would give me a voice to the nations for the gospel. And I thought, Lord, I'm having a hard time talking to the person next to me. What do you mean the nations for the gospel? But I'm telling you, it filled my spirit. And I bet I prayed that thing at least a hundred times. Not knowing how, not knowing when, not knowing where. But I tell you, God has continued to open doors in South America and other places that we never expected. And I say that to God's glory. Because it came in weakness, not in strength. So Abraham, his story as we look at it, um, you know, it's been said we can only go about three minutes without oxygen. Maybe about three weeks, three days without water. Three weeks without food. But you cannot live three seconds without hope. Not even three seconds without hope. Our world is dealing with hopelessness today. When you woke up this morning, what were you hoping? Were you hoping for a pain-free day? Were you hoping that someone would make breakfast for you? Uh, were you hoping for maybe a, a new job, a better job, a raise? Were you hoping for a good hair day, an A on the test, to better understand God's will for your life, that it would be a day of no arguing with your spouse or your kids. Or maybe you're wondering, I wonder if there'll be opportunities to serve God today. I wonder if there'll be somebody who needs to be loved that hasn't felt love. I wonder what the day will hold. Paul David Tripp says that uh, the difference between us and the animal kingdom is that animals function by instinct, but people function by hope. Animals function by instinct, but human beings by hope. When you think about hope, it starts as an observation. I need something. And then it moves to an expectation. Maybe this could come. Maybe this could happen to me. But then we look for a source. 
maybe this person could help me or this leader could help me or this new training or this new education or this new podcast or whatever it is. We look for a source for our hope. We're creatures that are very connected to hope. Note this, we're all on a journey of hope, all of us. And we are currently reframing, reshaping, and recalibrating our hope. You know, when we say, hey, I hope that this will happen tomorrow, it doesn't happen, we kind of reframe our hope. <laughs> well, maybe it'll look a little different. Maybe I, maybe I need to adjust it. You know, someone has said, when your expectations are here and your reality is here, what you have in the middle is stress. And the only way to remove the stress is to either lower your expectations or change your reality. And much of life involves a little bit of both of those. But if the hope is something God has given, it's faith that will overcome the stress and get you from your reality to that place that God has for you and me to go. And I will remind you that if that's ever hard, do we think that the cross accomplishing our salvation did not involve some stress and challenges and struggles and reframing? Father, take this away. And he sensed he wasn't. Well, then let me reframe it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Hope is a mental health issue, too. You know, think about it. Studies have shown that having hope for the future builds our stamina, our resilience, being hopeful. You know what it's like when you're around a hopeful person compared to a hopeless person? Hope can reduce anxiety and depression. Hope, a Harris poll was taken, 70% of the young people that were spoken to reported struggling in the last year with their mental health. 70% of young people. Uh, one survey done of 1,500 teenagers, 65% said they regularly feel anxious and depressed. So our world is in a challenging place, this post-quarantine world that we're experiencing. Um, you know, six months ago, this would have looked weird to us, right? To be in a room and to actually look at one another's faces. Research has shown that people who are hopeful are more likely to accomplish their goals. They do better academically. They choose healthier lifestyle habits. They cope better with illness. They experience higher life satisfaction when they experience this. There's so many signs of hopelessness that do you know, you're familiar with PTSD, do you know there's a new diagnosis now called PPSD, post-pandemic stress disorder. There's a lot of writing that's going on about it. Um, some of you might remember the meme that went out in the middle of COVID. It said, your grandparents were called to war. You're being called to sit on the couch. You can do this. You remember that? Kind of shaming this generation. Your grandparents were called to go to war. You're being called to sit on your couch. You can make it. You know, you can get through this. But now there's a lot of disillusionment. Um, the World Health Organization, uh, whether, you, whether we support what they're about or not, they've estimated that there will be mass trauma in our world for years to come related to this pandemic. Uh, 2020 was a year of shock. Is that not right? It was a year of many shocks. 2021, I think, has been a year of taking stock. What does it mean? What does it mean moving forward? What does it mean to my family? Well, you say this P PPSD, post-pandemic stress disorder, what are characteristics of it? Here are a few. Increased anxiety, 
low motivation, feeling hopeless or powerless. Do you know anyone like that or going through that? Changes in appetite, negative or catastrophic thinking, struggling to cope, saying I can't be bothered with anything. So many different feelings that people are going through. Suicide is on the rise. The latest reports show that many hospitals in the United States, their, their psych wards are jam-packed because of suicide. We're seeing it in the counseling that we do at Emerge, people that are dealing with feeling overwhelmed, and now we're gearing up to work with young people that are now going to have to go back to school. And some of them that cannot wait, but others that that's gonna be a challenge for. So hopeless moments. I, uh, you know, I shared with, with, with you a little bit about the, the voice thing that I walked through, and that was kind of a, a period of some, some sense of hopelessness. But one thing I've learned about Pamela over the years is that she has a hope tank. You've heard people talk about the love tank, you know, where in a marriage you can say, hey, how's the, how's the love tank? Ah, you're a little overdrawn, you know? Uh, or it's great, it's great. Well, Pamela has a hope tank. What that means is if we're ever gonna go on a vacation, I'm smarter to figure it out soon so that she can look forward to it longer because she enjoys looking forward to it sometimes more than actually going on it. There's something about that hope tank inside of us. We are creatures of hope. We're hardwired for hope. What was it that fueled the faith of Abraham? What was it that gave Abraham the kind of faith that God would say, you're going to have a son? He would have that miracle son, and then God said, all right, I want you to offer him up to me, to give him back to me. When God had given him a promise that out of you is going to come nations, and Abraham now, can you imagine walking to Mount Moriah to, to sacrifice his son? He's walking, going to take his son's life. And in his mind, he's thinking about God saying, nations are going to come out of you. Wait a minute, this, the, the potential for that I'm taking up to a mountain to offer up to you. I was dead before to that promise. Now I'm going to be dead to it again, but not Abraham. You see, what Romans tells us is the thing about Abraham is he believed that if he took Isaac's life, that God could bring Isaac back to life to fulfill his promise. So what that means is, even back then, so many years before the resurrection, Abraham had resurrection faith inside of him. So the Abrahamic blessing is connected to that resurrection faith. Um, the word for, for hope used in this is, is elpis, the Greek word. And I love this. It means to anticipate with pleasure to anticipate with pleasure. I look forward to it, and I look forward to it with pleasure, something that God puts within us. And the scripture tells us how endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our lives. One thing I began to learn about hope is hope is a handle. It's a handle. And I want to think about that with you for a minute. Hope is a handle. If you're taking notes, the first thing in this text, hope is a handle against all hopelessness. It's a handle against all hopelessness. Look at the verse. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. When you look at your life, we look at our lives, what is it that you cannot do that you think you should? What, 
Abraham did. Instead of looking at that as his own weakness, he looked at what God could do. The book of Philippians says, it is God who works within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God working within us. And then we are to work out what he's put within us with fear and trembling. The same book tells us that from Paul. So the Christian life is about working out what God is working in. So it's not based on works, but it's based on responding to the grace of God and what he's putting within you and me. So hope is a handle in the face of hopelessness. I believe hope is the handle that faith takes a hold of. We hold on to it, onto our hope. We hold on, I believe, um, the school here, I think, Elaine, you guys adopted the scripture. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It's an anchor for the soul, a place that your soul can anchor in such a, a strong source for you and me. Also, here's another one with Abraham. Hope is a handle in the face of hard facts. In the face of hard facts is a handle. Here's what the, the English Standard Version says. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You know, there are a couple people that asked me, when you began to have problems with your voice, did you think about leaving ministry or leaving pastoring or preaching? And you know the odd thing is? I tell them, not, not really, not really, not for long. And I think it was because, as I look back now, I think because God had put his promise inside of me. When I was young, I felt God put a call within me, so I never really contemplated that. And one of the blessings has been in the last few years, God's put me in touch with some different doctors and has become very helpful. My voice has been much better. Usually my voice is far better than it even is today. Um, but during that period, there were times when I would, certainly I would ask the Lord, you know. I remember a time when, Lord, why would you send me here and then my voice go away? You ever ask God a question like that? Why would this happen and then that happen? We all have been there. And in the midst of it, what God had to do with me to get me more to a place, instead of asking why, asking what. What is it you're wanting to do through this? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, the trials of life do but wash us faster to the shores of heaven. Um, that those challenges challenge us to move ahead in God's will. So hope is a handle in the face of hard facts. Abraham knew that his body was as good as dead. He was too old to have a baby. And yet God said, you're going to have a son. The world is going to be replenished through your life through your loins, if you will. I mean, the, the world is going to be, become blessed through you, and yet physiologically that was impossible. Physiologically it couldn't happen, and the same with, uh, with Sarah. So as you continue, hope is a handle not only that holds on to God, but it's a handle that clings to the promises of God. The promises of God in the life of a believer become more real to that believer than the real challenges that they're dealing with. That's, that's what the eyes of faith do. They open us up to a world of the possibilities of God. Look at what this passage says about, um, about Abraham. I love this in the message version. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless, 
This 100-year-old body can never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. He plunged into the promise. Say that with me. He plunged into the promise. You know, that's, that's a summertime term. That's like, do you tiptoe around the pool? You know, or do you, hey, I'm going to get cold at some point or another. Do you just plunge in? And with the scripture, well, maybe this is, could apply to me. Maybe No. No, getting up in the morning and soaking in it, meditating in it, marinating in it until it fills your mind and heart up. That's what Abraham did. Those promises of God, he rehearsed them in his mind. You and I have hopeless scripts that the enemy will play in our, in our minds. Uh, I still remember when um, we had an evangelist visiting here in the middle of my vocal struggle, and he had the most crystal clear, resonant, loud, radio-like voice. And I was probably a little envious of him, to be honest. And we're back in my office getting ready to come out for a service on a Sunday night. And he's, he's like walking in my office. He's like, man, your voice sounds terrible. I'm thinking, well, thanks. You know, appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> and he said, uh, and then he began to talk about, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to write? And in the midst of it, God began to open up doors beyond what I could have imagined. So that became, he didn't know it then, and I know when I mentioned that earlier, he didn't know that then, but he was reciting a script that I was hearing. If you can't even talk, what are you going to do? You and I have scripts. If you can't do this, what are you going to do? If this happens to your child, what are you going to do? If this happens at work, what are you going to do? Hopeless scripts, they play over and over in our minds. But what Abraham had was a hope script. The hope script was, Abraham, look at the sand in the ocean. You think you're going to have a son? You're going to have sons of sons and daughters of daughters. The world is going to be replenished through you. Look at the stars of the sky. I'm going to multiply you like those. That was the hope script that God gave to Abraham. I believe the Holy Spirit gives you and me hope, scripts, promises, words that he gives to us that he wants to help us through and move us forward. Were there other people in the Bible that had hopeless scripts? I would say yes. Let me, let me remind us of a couple. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar, and God ended up using him. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. I've taken some comfort in his story over the years. Uh, Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Job went bankrupt. John, uh, Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep when they prayed. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. 
hopeless script, right? I'm like, what am I complaining about? God loves to move on hopeless situations and do amazing things. Uh, a little bit, of, uh, about four years ago, we had a hopeless situation that Pamela referred to. We were up in New York State doing a couple's event, uh, walking with a, the pastor and his wife, and we got a telephone call from our second daughter, Karen. She said, Mom and Dad, I just went to the doctor. They did the ultrasound, and there are multiple problems with the baby. Not one, but multiple ones. And we're like, what? Bright spots on the lungs. Calcium buildup on the brain. Uh, the head too small. The, the, um, uh, the umbilical cord too thin to be able to give the baby the nourishment that is needed. So we got this news while we're out, you know, getting ready to minister to couples. And it was, it was pretty tough news to hear. And Kara, very difficult news for her to hear. And we continued to follow it. We prayed with her. One doctor said, you should get an abortion. This is going to be a bad situation. There are a lot of things that are against you. One doctor said, if this was one issue, I'd say maybe go ahead. But there are multiple issues. So you really need to think about whether or not you want to have this baby. And they kept praying, God, we're believing you. But she was overwhelmed. She had to, uh, had to be stationary for an extended period of time. Couldn't get around bed rest. And uh, she and Rick, her husband, it was interesting to watch them. They were praying for healing, but they also felt like they needed to say, Lord, even if you don't heal her, we're going to follow you. And they had this little sign up that the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down. And they had that on their wall. And we were praying and praying and praying, and Pamela was getting ready to go down when the baby was born. And uh, the day of the birth came, and Pamela was in the room, and Pamela said, this little baby, Nora Joy, came out. And Pamela said, the first thing I thought is, she needs to go back in. She needs to cook some more, you know. <laughs> she's, she's so little. She's here, 3 pounds, 12 ounces when she was born. And there's a picture here of her in a NICU when she was born. This was uh, three years ago, this month. And uh, she came out. And the doctor, there were 11 or 12 doctors and nurses in the room. And when she came out, one of them said, she looks perfect, like totally shocked by how good she looked. And uh, she began to, to get through these challenges and began to do better. And you see the next picture. And there's Kara with her pretty soon to that period. And Kara would probably get upset with me for showing that picture. But, uh, and there's Nora soon after being born, Nora Joy. And that's her doing the tango, you know. <laughs> And then this is a picture about a week ago with our grandson on the right, Rick, and that's Nora on the left, and our brand new grandson, Crosby, in the middle. She has passed every test, is doing great, and we just give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Give God the glory. And now, anytime I hear Kara, like, reprimand her or say something, you know, I'm like, be careful. This is the miracle girl, you know. <laughs> And remember, God has uh, his hand on her for a purpose. What was Abraham up against? What are you up against? What is it that you're up against that you're having to push at in life? It's that difficult thing. You wake up in the morning trying to work it out, sort it out, figure it out. And you're pushing against it. Abraham had those things in his life. What did Abraham's faith have to face up to? He had to face up some, to some hard realities with himself some physiological realities that were true. 
And God didn't want him to deny those, but to, to recognize them, but to also recognize the power of his word. And what was it that fueled Abraham's faith? It was his belief that God could raise from the dead. That's Christianity. Christianity, what makes it so unique is our God came in the form of man, took on, it's like one person has said, uh, I love this, Jesus basically said, I'm going to leave my place, I'm going to take your place, Um, I'm going to leave my place, I'm going to come to your place, I'm going to take your place, and then we're going to go back to my place. I'm going to leave my place, I'm going to come to your place, I'm going to take your place, and then we're going to go back to my place. That's the hope of life that we have in Jesus. The world around us today, so many people are looking for hope. When you and I walk about the world, we can assume that people have hopeless scripts that are playing in their mind. Many hopeless scripts. And many people they talk to have their own hopeless scripts. And relationship is all about sharing your hopeless scripts with one another. And we do that as believers. But there's something different. Because with a believer, we say, but God. But with God, nothing is too difficult. You see, faith is not just believing in God. A lot of people believe in God. Faith is not even simply believing that God can do anything. There are people that, oh, yeah, I believe God could do anything. He probably won't, but, you know, he, he could. If God wanted to, he could. It's like the, the, the person that needed healing said to Jesus, if you would, I would be whole. And uh, faith is not believing in God or believing that God can do anything. Faith, the Jesus kind of faith, is believing that God can do anything right here and right now. That's when people said he spoke with authority. He didn't say, oh, yeah, in the future God will do this, and in the past he did that. Jesus said he can do it right now. Let me pray with you now. And healings came, and miracles occurred. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. That's the hope that we have. I remember one day Kristen, our oldest, uh, had, had dealt with this really bothersome infection, ear infection, repeatedly, wouldn't go away. And this little Ukrainian Pentecostal lady was walking out of the church, and we're in the, in the driveway. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, our daughter, she's not doing well. She said, could we pray right now? And she reached into her purse and got a little thing of oil out, and she put her hands on our little baby girl and said, in the name of Jesus, I come against this sickness. In the name of Jesus, I pray healing in her broken accent. And do you know... Her next report was clear. God healed her. Now, we don't know the future and everything that God does within it. But Christians are people that are called to walk in hope. About seven years into our time here at Mount Hope, uh, the name of the church when we came was Christian Center. Christian Center of Burlington. And, uh, And we thought, great, but we began to think more about the name. We thought, well, some people might think that we're saying we are the center of Christianity, no, you know, the Christian center, of, of, but there are other churches, and we began to talk and say, we, I think we need a name, I think we need a new name, and so we talked, we prayed with people, uh, Elaine had mentioned, I remember one time she said, I feel hope, another individual said, when I come here, I feel hope, and we just began to pray about it, think about it, and talk with the, the board and people in the church, and, and we felt that name Mount Hope is what God wanted for this church, well, when I began to pray about this sermon, couple of weeks ago. I felt the Lord impress me. Remind them that I've given them the name Hope and that I've given them that name now in the midst of a very hopeless season in the world. 
that when the Lord gave that name to this church, and you've continued under Pastor Rick's leadership, you've continued to be hope givers. There are plenty of dealers, plenty of dealers on the streets of cities all over our world, dealing in all kinds of drugs and all kinds of things. But you know what? We're hope dealers. We're hope givers. That's what God has given us. There's something within what Jesus can do that brings hope to a soul, and our world desperately needs it today. When the Lord touched uh, Nora, it reminded me again, Lord, forgive me of the times that I've accepted things that you don't want me to accept. That I've not, that I've prayed, God, I know you could do this, but I haven't said, Lord, would you do it right here, right now? In a moment, I'm going to pray with you. Some of you, God has touched faith within you, and you've, you've said, could God do that for me today? And I say, yes, yes, not only can he, I believe he wants to today, to touch you. One verse, and I'll bring us to a conclusion with this, Ephesians 2.12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He was saying to them, remember, there was a time when you didn't have the promises of God in your life. You were in the world, but you were without hope in the world. Paul's saying, remember, it's not like that anymore. Don't live that way now that you have the promise of God, now that you have a Jesus in your life that can do anything, believe him. Believe that nothing is too difficult. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Lord, we praise you that you are the God of all hope. And you know our hearts. You know the things that can make us despairing and discouraged and despondent and even that can lead to a hopelessness within us. At times, maybe even a fear, an anxiety, a, a depression that we will feel, that some of it can be at times related to lacking hope. And Father, I pray today, because I believe faith is rising in, in heart today, that faith that believes you can do this, that you can bring this answer. And I first want to speak to those who might feel that in this season in life, you, you become distant Maybe you were, you've been a believer, but you haven't really been living like one, trusting God for the impossible day after day after day. And your faith has wavered. It's been challenged. Maybe it's a little tired through this season that we've gone through. And the Lord wants to renew it with that Abraham touch, that Jesus touch that brings it, says God can raise the dead. He can make old things new. He can put fresh life within you and your soul. If you're here and you say, I need my faith in God to be renewed and refreshed. I want to touch Jesus today, and I want him to touch me with that faith that believes that God can do anything right here and right now, whatever it is, the need of forgiveness or healing or answer to prayer, something for your family or a child. Just put your hand up with every head back. Put it right up. A number of you, put it right up. I want to reach out to God, so many of you today your hand right back down. I'm going to ask all of us to stand. Let's stand together. And in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, we're going to recite some things, repeat some things that are essential to our walk with Jesus. But we're also going to ask the Lord to help us to have a hope that's so refreshed that we'll be able to know those moments when other people need words of hope, words of encouragement and words of God's strength. Just repeat right after me if you would. 
dear God. You're the God of all hope. And I need you. I am nothing without you. I am lost without you. I am desperate for you. I long for you. And I resign myself to you. I can't do it on my own. I need your strength. Would you fill my heart up with faith? I put my faith in you. I take hold of the handle of hope. Knowing that you can raise the dead. You can change things. You can open up closed doors. You can open up blind eyes. You can bring back a son and a daughter. You can heal a home. You can change a life. And I put my trust in you. Jesus, wash away my sin. Wash away my wanderings. And help me to love you deeply. To draw closer to you. To walk with you. And to be full of hope for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you as kind of a, a benediction blessing, but it's something I saw a week or so ago. And I thought Paul shared this with the Roman church. And we've been looking at Romans today. And as I pray it, I pray it over you. And uh, I pray it in in support and partnership with Pastor Rick and Wendy as they are shepherds over this church and with, with all of you today. And it's, it's this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given the name hope to this body of people. And the Spirit of God has used you to bring it to other people. I pray that in this dark season of so much hopelessness in our world, that the Spirit of God would cause a flood of hope to be renewed and for the days ahead to be brighter than they have ever been for the glory of God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise.